Praise God. It is wonderful to see people give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To have hope and a future in eternity and to have the presence of God's love in our hearts right now. So let's, let's ask God to bless these folks. Father, we thank you for each of these lives from young to old. In all stature, Lord God, you penetrate our souls with your love. You've opened our eyes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've birthed your spirit within them now to lead and guide them all the days of their life. Bless them, Lord God. Keep them in your favor and love. We ask today that this message will stir our hearts, O oh God, and to be on fire for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That is my message this morning, fire in the temple. It was the duty of the priests to keep the fire burning on the altar 24-7 so that there was a regular sacrifice of praise and offerings of prayers in the temple of God to his name, to his glory. But you know, Jesus saw the temple when he arrived in Jerusalem, and before he even got there, he cursed the fig tree. Basically, he was saying Israel did not do what it was supposed to do, and this temple had turned into a den of thieves. He turned the tables over and basically pronounced a judgment upon it, saying it's done, it's over. And if you destroy this temple, I'll raise a new temple up in three days. And that's what he did through the church. We're that temple the temple of God, now portable around the world, available on every street corner and wherever you live. You're the temple of God. You're the presence of God to everyone in this world. We don't need more church buildings. We just need the church alive. We need to activate what is in us and our, what we're supposed to be doing. So Paul said this. He said, I'm a master builder. He said, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, he's saying, I'm a master builder. In other words, an apostle, one who lays foundations for the church. And he said, I laid this foundation. What foundation did he lay? the foundation of Jesus Christ. He taught the death, burial, and ascension of Jesus in that church, and he said there's no other foundation. He said anybody that's going to try to add a different foundation or a different message, you don't listen to them. There's only one foundation for salvation for our lives. It's Jesus. And he said as a master builder, I laid that foundation, and now others are coming in. Apollos came and built on it. Peter came and spoke, built on it. The church was starting to think, you know, I, I'm for Peter, I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollos. And he said, you don't get it. It's not the individual builders, it is the foundation. So what is he building? What is this foundation that is upon Christ Jesus? It is the church. The very verse before there, he says, we're God's workers, we're God's field, and we're God's building. He says, don't you know, you're the temple of God. So you're a temple that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, as you saw in this demonstration of death and burial with Christ. You're risen into new life, 
And so the Spirit of God Himself now dwells in each one of you. You're the temple of God. You're the presence of God in this earth. And so we need to understand what He's saying. And to each one of us, we're to be building on it. Peter says this, You yourselves are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. We're not only the building, we're the priests of that building. And we offer sacrifices of praise and adoration to God, but we also mediate between a dying world, a dead world, and a living God. We reconcile people back to God so that they would find the love of God. They would find the hope of God, a purpose and meaning for life. They don't need to go to some temple, some building. You're that temple. Thank God the neighbors on each side have a temple of the living God right near them. Your block is your territory by which you represent the kingdom of God. Where you work, your little beautiful cubicle is anointed with the presence of God. When you walk in the room, church showed up. You're the temple of God. Built on the foundation of Christ. It's not about you. It's not the temple of Tim. It's not the temple of Betty. It's the temple of Jesus Christ. He dwells in you. Paul goes on to say this. Now... If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, or straw, each one's work will become manifest or visible, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Well, aren't you looking forward to that? How'd you do? How's it going? How you doing on this? Because there's going to be a day where you're going to stand before the living God. You know, John saw Jesus. John, at the Last Supper, was laying his head on Jesus' chest. You know, and, and he was saying, so who's going to betray you? What's going on? Tell me some secrets. Jesus told him. Next time after the resurrection that John saw Jesus, it wasn't what he looked like at the Last Supper. He fell down as if dead, because what stood before him was the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ with fire in his eyes, a sword coming out of his mouth, his feet burning as polished bronze, and the glory of the high priest standing in the temple. You ready for that? Because on that day that we stand before the Lord, all of our lives will be exposed for what we did with Christ in us. Wow, it'll become visible. Now, some speculate this may be a public event. It may be a private event. I'm really hoping it's private. I am. Uh, yeah, you know, because um, <laughs> I don't need these works revealed for everyone to see. What are these works? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. There's a, there's a part of free will in all of this. 
God is asking us to participate. He said, you know what? I'm going to put my nature in you. Now that my nature's in you, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? I've invested it in you. I'd like to see a return on that investment. Because I'll tell you what, even if you would just let the Holy Spirit be alive in you, He will bear fruit. He's got works, said we are His workmanship. That word means His masterpiece. He's creating, working with us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, to manifest that spirit life outward to this world. And He said, you should be walking in them. He's prepared them for us. Each one of you has a prepared plan by God for your unique personality and the way you live. Paul said this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's he who is willing you. You're not doing this on your own. God is, remember, this is prepared for you, so he's stirring you to respond to him. How many of you know love demands a response, right? When your husband or wife says, I love you, when your child says, I love you, or when you say it to your child more, I love you, wouldn't it be nice to get an I love you back? Yeah. Some guys say, I said it once at the altar, that should last the whole marriage. I don't think so. Jesus has poured his love into our hearts, and he wants us to willingly respond. He is willing us to share this love, this forgiveness, this grace to all those around us. We're not to judge everybody around us. We're to pour out the love and grace of God to everyone around us and to work for his good pleasure. If he called you to it, he will supply whatever you need to accomplish it. These are the works, and they're either going to be gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. What is this bema seat, this judgment seat of Christ? 2 Corinthians 5 says this, we make it our aim to please him. Is that your aim? We want to please God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in his body, whether good or evil. Wow. Do for what's done. Do for what is done in your body. But what does he say? It's at the judgment seat of Christ. In the Greek, this word is bima. It, literally, it just means platform or stage. The bima seat is where a judge would, would sit. If there was uh, Olympics or sporting games, the one who sat at the bima seat was the one who would rate and judge and make sure that they were following the rules, not crossing into another lane, not doing something else, call out a foul or whatever. But that's the bima seat. There are three judgments in the Word of God. There's the Bema Seat of Christ, and that's for believers. That's for everybody that's saved. We're going to appear before Jesus, and He wants to see what manifests in your life, what came out of your life with the Spirit in it. Another judgment is found in Matthew 24. It's the judgment of the nations. It's at the end of the tribulation. It is the judgment between the sheep and the goats. It's a judgment of the nations. How did you treat Israel through these seven years of tribulation? Who is going to go into the millennial reign of Christ? Many of us use that scripture 
towards believers, it's not about that. It's about the nations and the tribulation. That's another judgment. But there's one final judgment, the great white throne judgment. That is the destination of everyone who is not a believer in Jesus. And you don't want to be at that one. Because that's the one that determines by God's righteous judgment, eternal damnation. So we're going to go to a different, this, this judgment seat of Christ, this judgment throws us off. It's the Bema seat of Christ. It's the evaluation of Christ. That's what that is. You're not going to get lost. You're not going to get thrown into hell. It is about your salvation, but it is it's a review of what you've done. And he's going to review that with you. Many of us kind of feel like the Wizard of Oz when we hear this judgment seat of Jesus. How many of you remember that scene, right, where Dorothy and Toto and, and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion finally get in and they go forward to see, ah, the Wizard of Oz, fire, <laughs> this big booming voice, ah, Cowardly Lion, <laughs> oh, he's scared to death. And this fierce, ugly God is going to speak, but a curtain, Toto goes over there and pulls the curtain back, and there's this little old man operating mechanics. It's not going to be that way. First of all, it is the judgment seat of Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our shepherd who gathered us together and saved us for this moment that we would thank him and praise him. Oh, there'll be fire and there'll be smoke and there'll be rumblings and there'll be glorious lights because of his majesty but it's not for judgment to come down upon you it is for him inevitably what happened in the wizard of oz he imparted gifts to them and that's what jesus is talking about he said in matthew 16 27 for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he's done he will reward you for a life lived to his glory. Revelation 22:12 says, "Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he's done." Again, an accountability, a review of your life. And I'm preaching this so you'd get prepared. That's what we need, don't we? Be aware of what's going on. Now, Lewis Schaefer said this, it cannot be too strongly emphasized that the judgment is unrelated to the problem of sin. Okay? That is more for the bestowing of, it's more for the bestowing of rewards than the rejection of failure. Because our sins have been dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ. You're not going to stand before Jesus to have your sins dealt with. They were put on him by his blood sacrifice and the judgment of God justifying you because he accepted Christ's sacrifice. Thank God. I need more amens than that. You're set, set free. This is an evaluation of what you did with what he gave you. It's not about sin. It's about holiness. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So everyone that is at the Bema seat, first of all, just go, thank you, Jesus. 
whether it's public or private, thank you, God. I'm here. I know I'm in. Now comes the evaluation. But only as through fire, he's going to check, manifest what we brought to him through the fire to evaluate it. Again, I would prefer a private audience. The Bema seats in Greece uh, and in Rome were sometimes uh, in an amphitheater for everyone to witness and to see, or sometimes, as even Paul was before Festus, he went into a private chamber and they discussed what he was going through. Now, if you get in the presence of Jesus, once you stand before him, well, you won't be standing very long. Once you bow and fall to your face before his majesty, you don't care who's around. All you know is you're in the presence of his glory, and there is a love that is going to penetrate your being like never before. And what will become manifest is the life you lived for him. So let's take a look at that. That's going to be a little bit hard. He said he gave an analogy on building materials. So the building materials that you're building through your life because God put his spirit in you is either going to be wood, hay, and straw or gold, silver, and precious stones. So then it's going to be put through a fire. How many of you know what happens to wood, hay, and straw in a fire? Pretty quickly, poof, it's burned. We need to figure out what is that wood, hay, and straw. Those are the things that we've lived our lives for, for selfish reasons, for selfish gain, for our own self, as opposed to him. And you know, there's a lot of that. It's basically motive. Where do you find wood, hay, and stubble? Above the earth. Easily seen. It's growing where everyone sees. But where do you find gold, silver, and precious stones? Underground. It's buried. It's the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Do you know that there are many people who have done amazing things in the name of Jesus? Great campaigns, great TV shows, big evangelists, many different things. But if their motive was to put their name on the marquee, we got a problem. I think there's going to be a lot of houses burning up. What do I mean by that? You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I am there are mansions in my Father's house. It actually means many rooms. It's an analogy. But many Christians believe we're literally going to get a house. And people are thinking, I'm going to get a Tudor mansion. I want mine made out of marble. Some are like, you know, if I can just get there, I'll take a tent. I don't care. (laughs) I'll live by the river of life and eat that fruit. There's going to be a lot of houses burned up. There's going to be people there who think they did all that for Jesus. And they, they said, I traveled the world. I made a name. I got a study Bible after me. I got this. I got that. Look at my mansion that I did, Jesus. And stand before him and expect to see his mansion. Woo! Put it through the fire. You made it out of wood, hay, and straw because it was about you. The motive of your heart might have started off well-intentioned, but you built and built upon self and ego and pride, and then it just burns. God would remind that person, do you remember who you were and what it was like the day I saved you? When you were a no-name, when you were a nothing, and you cried out because you recognized the weight of your sin upon you, and I poured my love into your life. 
That's the man that needed to continue to pour out. So what is the gold, the silver, the precious stones? Because all this wood, hay, and stubble is what everyone sees. And I'm telling you, there's a greater depth to our lives. The fire is the holiness of God, the purity of who he is, the motive. I've got papers on my wall. I've got titles in front of my name, after my name. I've got diplomas. Guess what? They're all on paper, and what's going to happen? They'll all burn. They mean nothing to the glory of God unless I pursued them in honest pursuit to glorify his name, to love him, and to learn of him, and to draw closer. That's the reason we do what we do. You see, gold as expressed by Peter is our faith. Your faith is as gold refined by fire. So the question is, what have you done in your life by faith? When everyone else said no, but you trusted God. When your pocketbook wouldn't go that far, but you trusted God. When your marriage seemed like it was over, but you trusted God. When you went into a prayer closet and prayed, God, I need you. Faith came out as gold and precious because your heart was crying out to magnify him. Silver, Psalm 16 says, is the word of God as refined in the fires of the earth. What is in your testimony, what have you done according to the word of God? Have you put the word of God to use? Do you trust the word over the newspaper? Do you trust the word more than your government? Do you trust the word more than any other experience? Do you trust God's word for relationships, for life? Does it move you? Do you find Christ, the living word, in it? Are you motivated in your soul for God? The last one is precious stones, these gems. Do you know what these gems are? They're the character of his nature, the fruit of his spirit. It's the holiness of God in your life. What is holiness? Holiness is the way you talk, the length of your hair, and the clothes you wear. That's what we've made it. That's sick. That, that's how we just see if someone's holy or not. No. The holy nature of God is the fruit of his own nature. Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the attributes of our God. And when you are applying them to the people that are in front of you at the fast food place, instead of having wood, hay, and stubble on your mouth, you're praying, oh God, help them. May they be blessed this day. And the people driving, and of course the yellow-orange cones, yellow-orange, whatever they are, orange cones everywhere. They should paint them a different color. Trick everybody in Michigan. We'd be like, what is this? All right, I went off track. But having that nature of God to honor Christ. Remember, you're the temple. This is all about being the representative of God's kingdom. When people run into you, do they want to run away? Or do you want them to remember your name and how great you were? Or do you want them to thank God they met you? Because they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. 
That's what we're going to be judged on. And the quality of our materials. He says that once they're brought to light, once they're observed, we will suffer loss. What do you think that means? To suffer loss. The reason we're going to suffer loss is because once I'm in front of Jesus and I see the nail scars in His hands and I hear that voice of many waters soothing and love of God and the fire in His eyes exposing how I lived my life, I'm going to weep. I'm going to weep because I'm going to recognize I spent too much time on me. I was worried about what people thought of me. I was worried about my self-interest. I was worried about, do I feel good today? I was, I, I, I'm going I'm to realize that there were so many things he had planned for me. He really believed I could accomplish so much with his spirit in me, but I just would not. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Am I going to feel that way in his presence? Am I going to recognize I failed him? The word of God says amazingly, he shall wipe away every tear from our eyes. Because you know what else is really amazing? For the moment that his eyes and the fire of his glory and holiness analyze what I did for him, I will see all the things I did as wood, hay, and stubble burn immediately. I will suffer as going through fire. But you know what? It's gone. Isn't that good? Isn't that good with Jesus? That even in our failures, he will not keep track. But you know what? we got to do something about this. We need to understand what to do now to change that day. So that when we appear before him, there will be gold, silver, and precious stones. And it's not about the flashy, showy things. It's about the intent of your heart. It's about the, the guy that picks up trash every day that nobody knows his name, but he prays. He brings money home for his family to raise his children so that they may know the Lord. He loves his wife. His wife, nobody knows, but she cares. She works the job. She's working to raise her kids. They're touching their neighbor's lives and caring for the lady across the street. They're praying and going to a church and teaching uh, Sunday school and doing whatever they can. That's gold, silver, and precious stones being applied to other people's lives. It may not be big. It may not be flashy, but it is all to the glory of God. So how do we get ready for this day? Number one, John said this, And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame. You know, I think of my children. Uh, there were times when I would leave for work in the morning and say, Okay, I want you guys to clean your room. Someone to empty the dishwasher. 
I need someone to maybe rake some leaves, do some of this. Okay, when I get home, I'd like to see this done. Okay, Dad. You go. You get home from work. Ghost town. Where is everybody? All of a sudden, you hear the dishes clanking from the dishwasher being put away. (laughs) One comes running, ah, Dad, how are you? Because they did what they were asked. Where's the other two? Missing in action. They're ashamed. They they completely forgot that I had asked them to do that. I made that story up. My kids were perfect. (laughs) They saw the fire in my eyes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But you know what? When you get in front of Jesus, Christ Community Church, people, I pray you're not ashamed. And there's one way to not be ashamed. Abide. Abide. Every day you're in him. 24-7 you're abiding. You're considering what the Holy Spirit's saying. You're listening. You know he's called you. You know he's imparted unto you. You have something to do for him. In the simplest things to the greatest, abide in him. Secondly, he says, Paul says, examine yourselves. If we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. I love what he says here. He qualifies it. If we judge ourselves, truly judge ourselves. You know, not this, well, I'm not that bad. You look at that guy. He's a real slouch. <laughs> That's how the, the world examines themselves. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't think God will send me to hell. I'm a good guy. I mean, I didn't kill anybody. I haven't stolen anything. You think those are the qualifications? But if we examine ourselves truly, We would not be judged, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. See, right now the Holy Spirit is judging us. He is disciplining us. Why? He's getting us ready for an eternal reign with Jesus Christ. He's getting us ready to meet the high priest. And when your works are evaluated because you have been abiding in him and you've been examining your soul, you are changing wood, hay, and stubble into gold, silver, and precious stones. That's what it's about. Take inventory, people. Change your game. Come on, don't you think it's time? Watch yourselves so that you may not lose, wow, what we have worked for, but may win a what? Full Full reward. You don't want to lose all the plans that God had for you. You don't want to lose the full reward. There are things I know I walked by. Someone asked me, Pastor, you know, what would you do differently now that you're an old man? (laughs) I said, you know what, and this is true, I would have taken more risks. I would have lived bolder. I regret that. Because I think there were other things God wanted me to do that I just didn't do because I I was either too scared or I walked right by them because I was paying too much attention to me. I don't know what they are. Maybe they'll come around again. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But I want to watch. I want to examine and I want to abide. I don't want to lose my reward. Last of all, he says this. I'm coming soon. Hold on 
to what you have so that no man steals your crown. Man, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to do that. You don't need to help that lady. You don't need to do that. Let's go out. Don't let anyone steal your crown, your reward. God has a reward in what you're doing. You're going to give them money? Don't give them money. This is a doggy dog world. Keep your own money for yourself. No, no, no. There's a reward in me showing the love of God to people. Aren't you tired of helping people? It's not about helping people. It's about glorifying my God. It's not about your works. It's about your heart. That's what we're talking about. And so let the Spirit of God judge you now. Examine your own hearts. Abide in Him. Watch out for what God's telling you to do. Listen, pay attention. And hold on to it because when you stand before Christ, you'll see the rewards. The gold, silver, and precious stones will endure the fire of His holy presence. And then what remains, we will offer to Him because we will recognize He did this through us. There needs to be fire now in the temple. Don't wait for it to happen when you get there. Bring the fire of God's holiness and his anointing into your life right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. God, I pray for conviction.